0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Acts chapter number 2, starting with verse number 1 today. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And so our focus today is going to be on the Holy Ghost, this experience of the Holy Ghost, uh, that that's, this, is, this is not just some other benefit, amen, that you just buy for somewhere down the line that you can take or leave, but it's essential. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, today for being in this place. God, let us once again, Lord, take your word. God, hide it in our hearts, in our minds. God, that we might not, Lord, sin against Thee. I pray, Jesus, today as we look again at this very tried truth, I pray, God, help us to reacquaint ourselves once more with this. God, that we can identify, Lord, with Your Scriptures and with the Word of God, that they would be life, God, unto us. And we'll thank You, Lord, for breathing that life, God, unto us this morning. And we'll praise You and we'll thank You for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. The Holy Ghost. Look at your neighbor and say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. One of the reasons why that we want to concentrate today on uh, the Holy Ghost is uh, in modern day society, there are some that would deem that the Holy Ghost is non-essential. That the Holy Ghost was something that was experienced somewhere back in 33 A.D., Uh, for the early church, and it isn't for today's church. And uh, I come fighting that type of mentality today that says it was just for the early church. For that matter, it is just as real today as it was in the first and the early church. And there are other people even uh, in our world today that feel that the Holy Ghost, uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we speak about being baptized Baptized with water and also being baptized with Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There are some that would uh, teach that it's just an optional, an optional blessing, Amen, uh, which comes to those who are already saved. Optional is the key word there. That you can either take or leave the experience of the Holy Ghost. Many people even argue that uh, uh, people receive the Spirit when they are baptized and whenever they make a profession of the faith that they just automatically by doing so receive the Holy Ghost. Others look at this Holy Ghost baptism or what we sometimes refer to as the Spirit baptism as just another spiritual blessing. It's just a spiritual blessing that is upon uh, somebody's life that a person may receive a sort of a second blessing sometimes they have looked at this holy ghost as a second blessing amen and many times whenever a person uh, expresses what what has happened in their life sometimes their testimonies you hear a lot of different language and get very uh, sometimes confusion a lot of different language you hear people talk about saved or they've been sanctified or that they've been filled with the Holy Ghost, a lot of different languages out there. Uh, they feel, some people feel that it's not necessary to be filled with the Holy Ghost in order to be saved. I feel like it's necessary in order to be saved. But again, as we try to consistently do is what does the Bible, I see fan, who's hot and who's cold. Is there, is there a bunch of people hot and there's some cold? So it's half and half, we'll leave it as it is. All right. Put it in your coffee. There you go, half and half. Amen but they feel like it's not necessary to receive the Holy Ghost to be saved. And as we oftentimes do, we want to go back to the word of the Lord because regardless of what men may say, even theologians for that matter may say, amen, if, if, if this is an eternal thing, and if this could be a decider of eternity, then I want to know without a shadow of a doubt, amen, the importance of whether or not I must be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in 1 John, Not St. John, but 1 John. And you'll depend on your Bibles this morning with me. But 1 John chapter number 5 and verse number 8 speaks these words. 1 John 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says, And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one amen these three agree in one now there are some that take this particular verse uh that that make mention in scholars that it's not in the older uh manuscripts amen but it's it's deemed by many that it should not be included in our bibles but i believe it's still worthy of for our attention i can't validate what they're saying uh so on and so forth but i believe it's worthy of our attention this morning uh because the message that it contains is still vitally important. John informed us in this verse that it takes three elements, if you will, to constitute the new birth or salvation. It takes spirit, it takes water, and it takes the blood to agree together in one bond. John used these three elements, amen, that are common even in a natural birth, so to speak, to emphasize that it's necessary also for a spiritual birth. And without any one of these elements, spirit, water, and blood, a person obviously could never live. Could never live. In the same sense, one must possess all three of these elements to experience the new birth. Number one, we must have the spirit. We must be filled with the spirit Uh, of Jesus Christ which was God or filled with the Holy Ghost if you would like to term it that way number two we must have the water involved we must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ whenever we went through our studies on baptism we underscored the importance of the name We we underscored the importance of the manner of baptism but number three the blood must also be involved because it is the blood that cleanses us from all of our sins that we are born into this world with. So if even one of these things are missing, our experience is incomplete. Our new birth experience is incomplete. Uh, With Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus recorded in John, St. John, that is, chapter number 3, Jesus again spoke of the necessity of being born of the water and of the Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. Amen. So he undoubtedly is referring to our water baptism in Jesus' name and the baptism of the Spirit. Now, Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 38 this morning, that many of you could probably stand up right now and quote, but then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That statement, I think it's, I think it's important this morning to understand who said this. Sometimes we pass over uh, that idea of who was saying this. I understand Peter was the one speaking, and he's being inspired of the Lord to say this, but it's important to denote that the Apostle Peter is the one that was stating these words, and the reason why that is so important, and, and I'll probably be doing some jumping around in Scripture today, you know me, at Matthew chapter number 16, a reason why I think it's vitally important to understand that Peter was the one that was stating that is because in Acts 16 and verse 18, whenever Jesus was speaking to Peter, Uh, and he had asked the question among Caesarea Philippi of all his disciples of who do men say that I am, and some were saying Jeremiah, some were saying one of the prophets, some were saying Isaiah, some were saying that even John the Baptist had risen from the dead. And so whenever though he asked them, well, whom do you say that I am, and Peter uh, piped up among all of them and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus answered Peter back. He spoke back to Peter and I'll even start uh, Matthew 16 verse 17 and Jesus answered and said to him Blessed art thou Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Father which is in heaven and I say also unto thee Peter that is that thou art Peter and upon this rock the revelation that he was the Christ the Son of the living God I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee, you Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The reason why I believe it's vitally important that we understand in Acts 2 that the person who spoke about being repenting and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The reason why it's so important is because Peter among all the apostles and disciples was the one to whom Jesus Christ gave the key the kingdom of heaven and so whenever peter is speaking uh, to the believers that are gathered there in jerusalem on that day or non-believers at that he is speaking to them how they can get into the kingdom he's sharing with them the keys that were given to him amen He was sharing with them the keys that was given to him. He had had preached such a great message. A lot of people had come about, about 120 we understand in Acts 2 that were in the upper room that were filled with the Holy Ghost and the people were amazed at what happened and what they heard happened, what they were witnessing. And so Peter's message drove home, his preaching, his message drove home the fact that the one, everybody say the one, the one, that they crucified was their Messiah. Could you imagine for a moment coming to that understanding that the one that we put to death is our Savior? The one that we we crucified was our Messiah and that salvation will only come through him. I tell you what, in just a real close little moments of time, there would be a great amount of hopelessness that would fall over me to think that the one, was, the one that was to save me, I killed. Yeah. <laughs> so now what do we do, you know? It's a, if, if it was a one-chance scenario, now what do we do? Now, we know the whole story. You know, we have the whole story. We, we, know, we know everything that took place and happened. Amen. But upon hearing this message that Peter spoke to them, seeing that, that's from their guttural response, what shall we do? Because that's where they were identifying, yeah, if if he's the one that was to to save us, we killed him. Amen. So what are we going to do about all of this? Amen. And so Peter was exhorting the people, amen, concerning salvation, concerning the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You want access? You want access to the kingdom of heaven? You got to have some keys. You want access to my house? You're going to have to have a key or you're going to have to break in. And the Bible speaks about those kind that try to come up any other way. They're a thief and a robber. If you try to get in, if you try to get access without using the keys, you're nothing more but a thief and a robber. Yeah. All right? Come on. Yeah. right? Uh-huh. And so he says, I, he says, I'm telling you, I'm giving you the keys. That was I, I was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He says, so I'm sharing. I got the master copy here. Yeah. I got the master key. And I'm sharing it with you, how you can have entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And it's going to take, again, your repentance, your water baptism. It's going to take his blood. Yes, his blood is in all of that. And it's going to take receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Consider for a moment that if the Holy Ghost was nothing more but an added blessing, that you can just receive somewhere down the road whenever you want to, take it or leave it, if it's just an added blessing, why would it that the apostle Peter would include in his statement to them that this is something that they must do? Why would the apostle have included in his answer to the inquiry, men and brethren, what shall we do? Why didn't he just merely state to them that all you need to do is accept Christ whom you crucified and you're good? Because that wasn't wasn't the key to the kingdom of heaven. It, it, It consisted of three steps. We know this, and I'm not trying to be elementary this morning. Truly, I'm not. But let's review again. Repentance, that turning aside from our sinful life that we have talked about. That baptism, amen, that he stated. Repentance and the conjunction. Please never, never leave that out. The repentance and, amen, baptism in Jesus' name brings about the remittance of sins. Uh, we, we, uh, sometimes we glaze over repentance but it's vitally vitally important that and is there you must have repentance in order to receive remission of sins and you must have baptism in the name of Jesus in order to get remission it's not like you have one or the other and you get remission you have those together and that brings about remission of sins and he told him that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost amen you can experience this as a gift <clears throat> It's not a gift in the sense that we can receive it if we want to or we can elect not to receive it. Do you understand that? It's not a gift in the sense that you can take it or leave it. Like someone's offering you a gift and say, no, I don't want that. (laughs) No, 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 no. But it's a gift in the sense that we don't deserve it. Right. That's yeah. Come on. Yes, sir. That's right. Yes, sir. Amen. It's a gift in the sense you didn't do anything to earn it. Uh Amen. It's nothing that we earn. It's nothing that we buy. Uh, Again, repentance is something that we can do, we must do. Uh, We've said this before. Repentance is something we got to do. Baptism is something that someone else got to do for us in the sense that someone's got to baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Holy Ghost is God-given. The Holy Ghost is God-given. Amen. Amen. And so whenever we we repent and we're baptized by the ministry in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is the one that is responsible for giving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 11. Acts 8 and verse number 11. The Bible states these words and scripture says, and to him, oops, 11 Paul, amen. Where am I? Acts 8 and verse number 11 verse number 11 is not what I want Uh, it's in Acts chapter number 8 anyway the scripture uh, you you could look down through there and find it I I could too but I don't want to take a bunch of time just looking but Acts chapter number 8 the Bible speaks about how they laid their hands on them thank you thank you they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost Philip had gone into Samaria to preach Christ unto the Samaritans and there was a great revival that broke out among the city amen and many of them yes verse 16 you're right many of them according to verse 16 have been baptized in the name of Jesus amen and yet for all of uh, all of this there remains something missing from their experience There had been repentance, there had been baptism in Jesus' name, but there's still something missing from their experience. So they call for Peter and John. Peter and John come down to Samaria, and when, when it was learned that Samaria had heard the word of God from Philip, amen, that we read in verses about 15 or so through 17 that they had heard the word of God amen that they went for the Pacific the, the, Peter and John went for the specific purpose that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Ghost because that could not be left undone they, they couldn't and we think well couldn't they had received the Holy Ghost without Peter And everybody's just like okay <laughs> couldn't they receive the Holy Ghost without Peter amen it seems like though they call specifically for Peter. And again, just for New Testament Scripture, the reason being was again, Peter was the one that was given the keys to the kingdom. He was given the keys to the kingdom of God. Amen. And so uh, it's kind of like, man, he, he was present for the purpose of opening the door there. Amen. And on the day of Pentecost and so at Samaria, they're thinking, man, hopefully the door's going to get open again here. And there's someone going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, The amazing thing is, Peter's very instrumental in all this. On the day of Pentecost, for the Jews, he was present. For the Samaritans, Acts number 8, he was present. Whenever the gospel got to the Gentiles, at Cornelius' house, guess who was there? Peter. Amen. The keys of the... So before anybody goes on living, well, we can't get the Holy Ghost today. Peter's not among us. Praise God. Oh, thank the Lord that whenever, whenever he ascended to heaven, he gave gifts to men, the scripture says. Amen. But, but he opened the door there. He opened the door for, for the Gentiles. Amen. In other words, it was necessary for the man with the keys to be present in order to open the door, it would seem. they have been baptized in Jesus' name, but they were still lacking something that needed to be completed, their new, new birth experience. They had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So in Acts chapter number 10, here's Peter. He's at Cornelius' house. Amen. The first record of the Gentiles receiving the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter number 10. Again, here's Peter, the man with the the keys to the kingdom of heaven the Lord gave him. Amen. And Peter was a Jew. And yet he was persuaded by the Lord to go to the Gentiles' house. Three times a blanket from heaven uh, descended. And there was upon it things that were hoofed beasts and unclean beasts. And the Lord told Peter, he said, That which I have cleansed call thou not common or unclean. In other words, he was setting people, uh, Peter's mind already up to be acceptive in going into the house of the Gentiles. And so Peter went, and the Bible tells us in Acts 10, that while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. So right before Peter's own eyes and some of the Jews' eyes, they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, just like he said, as we received it. Just like the Jews had received it on the day of Pentecost and they could not argue amen with what they saw or with what they experienced all those Jews that were there so the Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost and they as we said before were commanded them by Peter to be baptized amen and so that's great and tremendous In, in Acts chapter 19 and verse 2 the scripture says he said unto them have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe and they said unto him we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost again here we are We are interrogating somebody about whether or not they have the Holy Ghost. Why are you doing that? Because it's vitally essential. It is is with great purpose that we must have it in order to go to heaven, in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Paul meets the disciples. Paul's first question out of his mouth. Do you got the Holy Ghost? And I don't know. Listen, I don't know if maybe the problem of our age is a problem they had all the way back in their age. It seems like a lot of times problems are just problems of any generation. We find a lot of the same problems they had, we have. Things haven't changed. They don't get fixed. I don't know, and this is just totally speculation on my part, but I don't know if they had some difficulty among people that were repenting, being baptized, and not going on to get the Holy Ghost. Because we live in a society, people believe in repentance. And they believe in some form of baptism. But there's several that steer away from this idea or concept of the Holy Ghost. So just my speculation, I don't don't know totally what was going on there, but something was going on in so much that whenever he met these disciples and spoke to them, amen, he didn't ask first about their baptism or ask first about their repentance. He asked about their Holy Ghost. And so that's what he asked, and through that he understood that their baptism was even incorrect. And so they got all of that matter under hand and, and got that ship shape the way that it should be. And then they whenever they were baptized, Amen, in the name of Jesus, and the experience being filled with the Holy Ghost as well. Amen. Romans chapter fifteen verse number sixteen <coughs> this morning. You'll pardon me, let me just get a little drink of water here. Romans fifteen verse sixteen, as I'm turning there. Yeah. Amen, and hopefully I got the right verse this time and everybody's not looking aimlessly up and down the columns of their Bible Romans 15 and verse 16 the Bible states these words that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles this is the apostle Paul speaking ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified being sanctified by the Holy Ghost when we talk about sanctification we have whenever we talk, sometimes that's just a fancy word to some people you know sanctification sanctify but whenever you talk about sanctification you're talking about something or you're talking about uh, someone who has been set apart for the glory of the Lord sanctification is a setting apart yes. amen it's a setting apart now there's something vitally important that we must understand here through the Scripture that it said that we are sanctified by the Holy Ghost. You're set apart by the Holy Ghost for the glory of the Lord. And this was so vitally important for the Gentiles because we had, uh, in the body of Christ, we have Jew and we have Greek. We have male and we have female. And we have all these different per se classifications. But in essence, whenever the Jew receives the Holy Ghost, they're sanctified and set apart in another classification for the glory of the Lord. And then the Greek, whenever they receive the Holy Ghost, they're sanctified. They're set apart for the glory of the Lord. And how in the world can you have Jew and Greek, male and female, all these different ones meshed into the same body? Because their sanctification, they're being set apart by that same spirit of the Holy Ghost sets them all in the same classification of being for and unto the glory of the Lord amen so they're set apart it's the Holy Ghost that sets us apart for the Lord's purpose amen and so whenever the Holy Ghost enters our lives and our heart uh, we become uh, to a certain you say well I've never preached I've never I've never preached I've never had the anointing of the Lord you receive the Holy Ghost you got anointed (laughs) you received the Holy Ghost, you you got anointed by the Spirit of the Lord, you got sanctified whenever God came into your life and you made that commitment, you became dedicated to the Lord, amen he has set you apart for his service set you apart for his service the Bible states, John states in 1 John, if you want to go there that's fine, I'm just going to kind of hit and run, okay in 1 John 3 and 2 he says, beloved, now are we the sons of God He says, now are we the sons of God and that denotes a personal relationship our relationship changed it speaks of a birth he said now are we the sons of God you're not a son if you haven't been born I know that's real deep water right there okay it might take you next Sunday to figure that one out but you are not a son unless you've been born and you can't be a son of God Unless you have been born duly of water and of spirit. So don't believe for a moment anybody says, oh, I'm a son of God. I'm so glad I'm a son of God. Ask him if they got the Holy Ghost. If they don't have the Holy Ghost, sorry. You're not a son. Oh, someone say amen. (laughs) He becomes our father through that action of that new birth. Amen. Brings about a spiritual birth in our life. And that, that becoming son can only happen through the Holy Ghost. We've got to be born into the family of God. We're not joining the family of God. No. no. We're being born into the family of God. And anything else, we are short. We are incomplete. We cannot be, the terminology is saved. We cannot be saved without the Holy Ghost. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 8, 9, Paul informs us in Romans 8, 9. Now, and these are strong words, but let the Bible speak to you, not, not me. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he, that man that is void of the spirit of Christ, is none of his, is none of his. He follows it up also in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. No man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. But by the Holy Ghost. In other words, it's only through the Spirit, the birth of the Spirit, that we can become a child of God. Amen. His body is a spiritual body. This body that we're born into is a spiritual body and in order to become a member of that spiritual body a person has to be born in a spiritual way. Amen. And when we're born in that spiritual way our relationship with the Lord is a spiritual relationship of being a son of God. So nobody, what he's saying there in 1 Corinthians 12.3 Nobody can claim the Lord as his Lord without the Holy Ghost. No one can claim the Lord is their Lord without the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what he's saying. No man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. None of his. None of his if we have not the spirit of Christ. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 30. The Bible speaks of a seal. Amen. In Ephesians 4 and verse number 30. and I'll try to turn there as well and go on and read the scripture. Pardon me. Ephesians 4, Bishops, just with me. Ephesians 4 and verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby... That's referring back to that Spirit of God. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. It's saying, don't, don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Or if I can say, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Whereby that Holy Ghost, that Holy Ghost is your seal until the day of redemption. Well, I thought whenever I received the Holy Ghost I am redeemed and we spoke on this in our series through the book of Ephesians you are redeemed to a certain degree whenever you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost but your full redemption is whenever you're translated to this life to the next life redemption is a saving a salvation we still have a lot of things that we're prone to in these earthly bodies filled with the Holy Ghost so full salvation if I could say that full salvation happens whenever you've been sealed with the Holy Ghost all right You've been sealed and you're heeding to that all throughout your life. But whenever rapture day comes and you're taken out of this place, full salvation happens because there is no more pain, no more sorrow, none of this uh, temptation and all this earthly stuff that we contend with on a day-by-day means. He says, so you're sealed unto the day of redemption by what? The Holy Ghost. He then endureth to the end. The same shall be said. You're sealed though with and by the Holy Ghost. He said you're not. He didn't say you're sealed with your repentance. He didn't say you were just sealed with your baptism. He said you're sealed and secured with your Holy Ghost. With your Holy Ghost. Until the day of redemption. Amen. And for that matter, you talk about the word sealed or the idea or concept of sealed. In biblical times, Old Testament times and New Testament times, whenever you talked about something being sealed, and even today in certain instances, that speaks of possession. That speaks of protection. That speaks of ownership. See, that was the big deal concerning the tomb of Jesus. Not just that they put a Roman seal on there. You know what they were trying to claim? Ownership. but whenever the stone got rolled away everybody understood they had a false claim amen, someone say amen they were trying to, if we could say they were trying to say they had possession even sorry folks, got it wrong back at a later time, it's not happening Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 14, another another verse out of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and verse number 14, the Bible says which is the earnest of our inheritance, it's speaking about the spirit, if you look at verse 13, let me just go to 13 in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye be lead ye were sealed, here we are again, sealed with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost Spirit of God, whatever you want to call it, of promise, which is, speaking about that Holy Ghost, which is the earnest of our inheritance until what, again, the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Paul's saying the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance. Amen. If 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 one does not have the earnest, or what we, we... Earnest... Let's even say earnest money. You want to talk about earnest money? You know, earnest money. You know, how can they expect to possess something in full if they never have the earnest? Does that make sense? Is someone understanding what I'm saying today? At the coming of the Lord. So I got to have the Holy Ghost. You understand that? If I want full possession of the kingdom of heaven, the Holy Ghost is the earnest for full possession. So you tell me how you go get heaven if you never got the earnest, which is the Holy Ghost. It's essential. It's absolutely necessary. It's absolute. do I really need it? Yeah, if you want full possession, you better. Amen. It's made alive for us. Romans chapter number eight and verse number 11, Paul states this, he says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, everybody say also, quicken your mortal bodies, By what? His spirit that what? Dwelleth. Dwelleth In you. Mm. So we're not looking at the idea of someone that is walking on the earth or dead in the ground. Rapture day comes and his spirit that is all-encompassing and foreboding and all night, present, all knowing, is then just go get that body and pick that up. No, he said, it's the spirit that dwells in you. you. Yes, sir. Oh, yes. So I have somewhere along the line, it dwells in me, I have somewhere along the line, it has had to get in me. And yeah. It gets in me by receiving the spirit of the Holy Ghost. The spirit of God. And that's the only way it's going to raise me up, not because it's just here in this world. It's got to be inside of me. Inside of me, by virtue of having received the Holy Ghost. Look at the word, the word quicken there. The word quicken there means make alive. I like that. The word quicken there means make alive. So he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also make you alive. (laughs) Make that mortal body alive Because of the spirit that dwells in you So we understand We understand the scripture Paul writing of a time in the future Of the resurrection of the redeemed When the trump of God shall sound Amen And these people are going to come forth Out of their graves And they're going to have a changed body And they're going to be changed into his likeness But he says hey He said you must have that same spirit in you In order to possess that resurrection, on resurrection morn. Because that spirit's got to be in his church. It's that spirit that's in the church, in the people of the church that's going to rapture that church to meet the Lord in the air. And it's God's ultimate desire for us to be filled with his spirit. Amen. All throughout God's word. Amen. The very spirit of the word of the Lord consistently and constantly cries out, inviting us. Amen. To be filled with the spirit of the Lord. Calvary was not an afterthought of God. It was not an afterthought. The Bible speaks of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Calvary was not an afterthought. Calvary was for us. Calvary was for you. Calvary is where the price was paid for the church. Amen. The church. Uh, the reason why I'm saying that this idea of the church is not a plan that God just fell back on. It's not his plan B. The church has never been God's plan B. Amen. The church has been in the... It wasn't his plan B where the Jews rejected him as Messiah and they crucified him. It wasn't a plan B. The church has always been in the mind of God. As a matter of fact, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter number 3, and elsewhere also, the church was in the mind and the will of God, as I've already said, from the very beginning. Amen. And so he went, God, went to great extremes so that we could possess, if you will, his spirit, that we could be born into his church. Amen. Amen. Calvary wasn't a pleasure for God we understand that Calvary wasn't a pleasure for God but the life given on the cross that wasn't an accident either but it was the price tag that needed to be paid in order for the church amen to have his spirit it had to happen that way So it doesn't matter if we're black, white, yellow, red, whoever, whatever we are, what our nationality or ethnic background or culture may be, God has an invitation for whosoever will to enter the church and be a part of his body by virtue of repenting, be baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Remember, he calls this church home. He's coming back for what he gave you. It's really that simple. Where the Bible speaks of the the parables of a householder that that gave stuff to servants and then he comes back and he's asking of those things. that, that, That householder is coming back asking for the things that he had given them to be a steward and a manager and a protector of. That is the story of the church. That is the story of our lives. He's given us gifts. Gift in particular, the Holy Ghost. And whenever he comes back, he's looking for his gift amen and if his gifts not found in you then you must have no relationship with the householder because the householder distributed gifts and he's going to deal in a favorable manner those who have the gift and so if you don't have the gift you must never have a relationship with the householder does someone understand what I'm saying this morning it is absolutely needful absolutely necessary that we have the baptism of the Holy Ghost prior To the Lord, and I'm keeping track of time here, but prior to the Lord being crucified in his ascension, he made a statement to his disciples. John, St. John, that is, 14, 18. He made made a statement to them. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, "I I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I will come to you. This is before he was ever crucified, before he ever ascended. He told his disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. If I may paraphrase this morning like this. In other words, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. He had been speaking about the comforter. John 14, and he's talking a lot about the comforter. Talking a lot about the Holy Ghost. And he said that the Father would send that in his name. And what is the comforter? We, we know this, but let's go th- Let's go there again. What is the comfort that Jesus was speaking about in the verse? He informed us. In verses 16 and 17, I believe it is of John 14. He says, and I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. He's just giving clarification. All right? He's just giving clarification. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither know of him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you And what? shall be in you. Amen. There's a great, there's a great landscape of, of the metamorphosis and progress of the Spirit of God from the beginning of time till the day of Pentecost. A God of olden times, you see him, His Spirit moving upon men of old. We see Him during His earthly ministry, amen, that He, he moved along beside and worked with them. But then whenever Pentecost comes, we see him moving in and getting inside of them. All along, he's just wanting to get closer and closer and closer and closer to you and I. Amen. So they said, he said, neither knoweth him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And for some three plus years, those great disciples and apostles had the privilege of walking with the Lord. And uh, they become constant companions with the Lord. Amen, and he was preparing them for a time that he would no longer be with them in person. Uh, They had had him in a physical form for three, three and a half years, and he was preparing them for a time that they would no longer be with them in in, in person form. But he says, I'm going to send a comforter, which comforter, the word comforter basically means this, one called alongside to help. One called alongside to help. So they weren't going to have any more of his personal companionship constantly with them but they were given the assurance amen to continue with them because they were going to receive something that was going to come along and help them so they didn't have the Lord walking right beside them but I think those of us that received the Holy Ghost can say there's been times in my daily walk that I have felt his presence his spirit alongside me to help me he has been truly a Comforter to me. Christ within us, Paul told the church at Colossae of Colossians 1 and verse number 27. He said, To whom God wouldn't make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, here's the mystery. He says, God's going to make this known. Here's the mystery. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. That's why I say, Christ. In you, the hope. Of Glory. I mean, who would not want Christ dwelling within them? He wants to fill our hearts, our lives, give us His presence. The, uh, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the resurrected Christ inside of me, dwelling inside of a born again individual. He told him in Matthew 11 28: Come unto me, all ye that are labor, labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Man, there is a rest where only the weary can rest and a place of refreshing that we can find in the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah, he was speaking the Old Testament Scripture, speaking prophetically. In Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12, he said, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said this is the rest. Look at this. It's prophetic. It goes with Matthew 11, 28. Jesus said, come unto me all ye that are labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus said that. Before this ever happened, Isaiah prophesied, he said with stammering lips and an unknown tongue, will he speak to his people to whom he said, this is the rest. Isaiah already prophesied. There's going to be a person that's going to say, this is the rest where the weary can rest and this is the place of refreshing. And he said that he already prophesied. And he said, to whom said that? He said, for with stammering lips and an unknown tongue, will they speak to this people he already prophesied and here he is then in the New Testament saying come unto me amen because we got a lot of turmoil and a lot of things that are weighing us down burdens and difficult times amen the Lord wants us to obtain a rest that he can give that can be found through being filled with the spirit of the Lord amen amen John ten ten. I got a little bit of time left the thief everyone say the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. Jesus says, I'm I'm come that ye might have life. I'm, I'm offering life, abundant life to one and to all I want to bring to life those who are dead in their trespasses, dead in their sins. I want to come that they might have life. Because whenever you get filled with His Spirit, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Amen. The joy uh, the Scripture says that you receive of it is unspeakable and full of glory, Amen. And He wants to fill us with abundant life. It's His will for us. And I, I'm running too close. I really got to just be. in 2 Peter 3 and verse number 9 the apostle Peter he emphasized he emphasized the love he emphasized the desire that Christ had for us that we might be saved and he said the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness but is longsuffering to usward not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance amen he wants us to be saved he don't want us to be lost he wants us to be saved but he has the manner by which it should be done. And, and nothing has changed really for eons of time. In the Old Testament, there was, there, he gave stipulations, rules and regulations and instructions on how you should approach him in the tabernacle, what the priest or whoever had to do in order to get into that holies of holies, he gave them instruction on what must be done in order to get there. And so they followed the instruction, and when they did, they had access to the presence of God. That's an Old Testament symbol, though, for a New Testament substance. He still has a plan. He still has instructions. Follow the instructions, and guess what? You have access to the presence of God. Amen. We're just setting this up all along. If you'll stand with me this morning, and I'll close. 45 minutes is long enough. <clears throat> Years ago, they used to say, man, said 30 minutes is, is, is not long enough for a good preacher and too long for a bad one. And so And the reason why we talk about this stuff folks And I think this goes without saying There's still people among us that need the Holy Ghost within this church I have, I have a church list that I go through And I pray for and whenever I hit those names I understand they're there There's people among us that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost And I, I'm not being mean or facetious today But let the word speak for itself If you have not the spirit of Christ you are none of his you're not a son. You've got to be born. Amen. You've got to be born of the water and of the spirit. And so that's the reason why then when we open altars and such, man, it's so vitally important that we need to have that new birth experience, that relationship encounter with the Lord. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer this morning. Father, I come to you today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter